Well, thank you so much. Thank you, praise team, and thank our choir, and thank all of you who took part in worship this morning, and, and I pray the Lord was glorified in everything, and so thank you for being a part of our worship time. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. Turn to the book of 1 Samuel. We'll look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to read verses 1 through 10. Let me encourage, if you would, to go back when you have opportunity, read chapter 1, 2, and all of chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. If you would, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of the God was, while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And so he ran to Eli, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down here. And he went and he lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel, Samuel. So Samuel arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Now that's very important. Look at that again. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And so he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have now to have worshipped you and now open your word. Help us to understand that it's the inspired word of God. It's God-breathed. It's infallible. It's inerrant. And as we open the pages and begin to read, Father, it's holy God speaking to man. Help us to realize this. And Father, I pray for each person here this morning. Lord, as your Holy Spirit begins to work in our hearts and lives, I pray, Lord, that you would be with me. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them, and the recall that I need. And Father, may you speak through me. Help me, Father, to say the words you would have me to say, not say the words that you would not have me to say. 
that you might be honored and glorified and your will would be done in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the story of God's calling Samuel to salvation and also to ministry as a young child. Now let that sink in. Calling Samuel to salvation as a young child and to ministry as a young child. And as you read the passage, you'll see a transition take place. When you read chapters 1 through the book of 1 Samuel, you'll see this transition take place. You'll see a change from theocracy to monarchy. You'll see a change in regards to from a priest to a king. And so there's a total of four calls to, Sam, uh, to Samuel. There's the first and second call have to do with his salvation. And then you'll have the last two calls, verse 10, have to do with his with his service. And so the point is the story of Samuel is more than just a story for children because it, it initiates a drastic change in the form of government for the people of God. However, this morning we want to emphasize the importance of God calling to salvate children to salvation and to ministry. You know, from time to time, I'll have a parent come up to me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, Brother Sammy, my child is asking questions about being saved and I really don't know what to say. I've had that so many times over the years. And then they'll say this. They'll say, do you think that he or she is too young? You believe they're too young? Recently, I heard our state evangelism director, Daniel Wilson, preaching in revival at Crooked Oak down Brother Mike Morton's church, and I went down, I believe it was on a Tuesday night, and he was preaching from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And if you remember that passage, if you don't, just go back a little later, refresh your memory, Mark chapter 9, you had a man that brought his son to Jesus for Jesus to heal his son, who was deaf. He was a deaf mute. He, the Bible says he had a mute spirit. And this young man had a, he, the, and it testifies a little later, this young, this young man had an evil spirit. He had a demon. I believe in demon possession, and maybe someday I'll be able to address that. It's been a good while, but I believe in Satan and I believe in his minions I believe in his demons I believe demon spirits are real and when this spirit and this young man saw Jesus this spirit this demonic spirit caused this young man to go into convulsions and the Bible says that he fell on the ground and he wallowed like a dog foaming at its mouth Verse 22 of Mark chapter 9 says, The father said to Jesus, He, meaning the demon, throws him into the fire, throws him into the water, trying to destroy him. Can you imagine this young man being demon-possessed with this evil spirit, trying to throw him into the fire, trying to throw him into the water? In verse 21, Jesus asked a simple question, and the question was this, how long has this been happening to him? Now, he's a young man now, and he's been going through all of these 
uh, types of uh, demons that are causing him to do certain things, trying to destroy him. And the father said to Jesus, Jesus, how long, is, how long has this been happening? And his father said, from his childhood. From his childhood. Now he's a young man, but it started way back in his childhood. And then Daniel Wilson made this statement. Never forget it. I'll never forget it. He says, if a child can be full of the devil, if a child can be directed by the devil, if a child can be guided by a devil, a demon, then a child can be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, how powerful that is. So let me say something to parents right quick. Remember, the devil wants to destroy your children. That's his purpose. He wants to destroy your children. He'll use anything, anyone to do it, even you, if you're not careful. Whatever you do, when you leave this walk of life, I pray that you'll be able to say, I did not allow to the devil to influence me to influence my children in a negative way. You know, the Bible says the thief, that's the devil. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, that's just not adults. That's children also. But Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so listen up, parents. The devil is not only after you, but he's after his children. And whatever you do, don't allow the devil to use you to get to your children. Remember, Samuel was called to salvation before he was called to ministry. A lot of people get this switched. Uh, they, they serve the Lord, and they do everything to serve the Lord, and they work at the church, and they serve in all different types of ministries at the church and away from the church. They've never trusted Jesus Christ, and they think by working their way, doing good to people and helping people, that that's going to earn them salvation, and they're going to die without Jesus. For by grace are you saved, through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works. Least any man should boast. You see, you trust in Jesus and him alone. You have nothing to boast about in your life. You can't say, I did this or I did this or I'm doing this and I'm number one in this and number two in this. And You can't boast about anything because the only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. So when can a child be saved? Or a better way to put it, when does a child become sensitive to the Lord? Jot these down, a little outline. Number one, there is a time when a child is too young to know the Lord. That's found in verse 7. Look at this. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And so first of all, when can a child come, uh, come to be saved? First, there's a time when a child's too young to know the Lord. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So the point is there's a time when, when the child is too young to be saved, too young to be converted, too young to experience the generating grace of our Lord. 
too young. There's a time in which the child doesn't know the difference between good and evil. There's a time when the child doesn't know the difference in what it means to be lost or saved. They just, they haven't reached that age where, where they can understand. I like what Dr. W.A. Criswell, one of my favorite preachers, preached at First Baptist Church, Dallas, I believe 52 years maybe. And he tells a story about his grandson one day running into his office. And Dr. Criswell said that his grandson ran up to him in his study and he said, Grand, Granddaddy, Granddaddy, there's a wabbit. There's a wabbit in the yard. Dr. Criswell thought, I said, my goodness, you know, a, a, a rabbit would have to travel some 15 to 19 miles on the interstate to get to our yard. I mean, they live downtown Nashville. And, and he said, there's a what? There's a wabbit. There's a wabbit out there in the yard. So he gets up and he goes out. And he says, where is it? And the little boy goes over, his grandson goes over and points to it. And uh, he said, there it is, granddad, there's a wabbit, there's a wabbit. And he goes over and looks, and, and this wabbit turned out to be a huge rat. A rat. The point being, Dr. Criswell said, the little boy was too young to discern, to discern the difference between a rat and a rabbit. And between good and evil, he's young. And the point is, there's a time when Samuel did not know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He was too young to be saved. Now the point is, God is, the child's too young to know the lostness. What it means to be lost. What it means to have the lostness of sin and have have an opportunity to experience this thing we hear that's called salvation. So first of all, when can a child be saved? Well, there's a time when a child's too young to know the Lord. But secondly, there comes a time in the life of, child, of the child when the Lord quickens the soul of the child. Now that happens at different ages, especially if you're raised in a, in a Christian home, a faithful Christian home, who attends church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, what are you, Bible school, uh, team kid, what are you doing? You're exposing your children, you're exposing your children to the Word of God. And those who are exposed numerous times to the Word of God, you find are saved at an early age. Uh, preacher's kids are that way. My dad was a pastor. But my dad, he wasn't called to preach after I was a teenager. But we were very faithful in, in going to the Lord's house and hearing God's word and teaching it at home and praying it at home and that uh, I came to know the Lord at an early age. So there comes a time when the child becomes sensitive to what is good, becomes sensitive to what evil is all about. Samuel did. The child became aware of what it means to be lost. The child has a, a sense of having done wrong. You see, Samuel became sensitive. He became aware of his sins because of the sons of Eli, Hophnez, uh, Hophni, and Phinehas. And they, they had, their father was the priest, 
but they were godless children. And they caused him a lot of heartache. They caused their father a lot of pain to the point that God decided that he would just take their lives, just remove them off the face of the earth. Read chapter 2. And so Samuel, living in the temple, read chapter 1, living with the temple, carried there by his mother to help the priest, living there in the temple, helping the priest, Eli, helping that priest, he begins to notice all the things that Hophni and Phinehas was doing and how contrary it was to what the Word of God was teaching them. And so all of a sudden, God began to speak to him. He became aware of sin. He became aware of, be, of doing wrong and uh, aware of guilt and, and inevitably comes in the heart of a child. We realize that all of us are sinners. I remember when I realized I was a sinner. I mean, you, you cry out on the inside, I, I'm a sinner. I, I mean, I've done wrong. That was wrong in what I said. That was wrong in what I'd done or what I did. Do you remember the time that God quickened your heart to the fact that you were lost and you needed a Savior? You remember that time? Yeah, most people do. Uh, I, I know the time span, I don't know if it was six years old, seven, eight, nine, or ten, but I know it was earlier than ten because I, I, just took, I held it in as long as I could, confessing that I needed a Savior, and I did that when I was 11 years old. But I knew before then, I became sensitive to sin to the point that I knew that I needed a Savior. For years, as a young child, I knew that I was lost. And I'd lay in bed at night, and I'd say, Lord, I'd pray, God, I don't want to go to hell. I, I don't want to go to hell. If I die, I don't want to go to hell. So during a revival service, I responded to the call of God on my life, surrendered my life to him completely, and said, Lord, I want to be saved. I had an awakening to my sinful condition, and I knew I needed a Savior, and Jesus was that only Savior. Nothing that I could do, nothing that anybody else could do or decide for me, I, I had to make that decision. That's what you have to do. So there's a time first, when can a child be saved? When a child's too young to know the Lord. Then there's a time in the life of a child that the Lord quickens the soul of a child, and then the Lord speaks to the child. The Lord calls the child. We saw that in verses 1 through 10, where God was calling Samuel. He thought it was Eli calling him. He gets up, goes to Eli's room. I didn't call you. Lay down over here. He lays down close to Eli, and then he hears the voice again. It wasn't Eli. I didn't call you. And so he goes, and on the third time, Eli said, Tell him, here am I, Lord So God caused the child. God spoke to the child. And the point is, and you don't want to miss this, the initiation of our conversion, all of that begins not with us, but with the Lord. You didn't begin the initiation to be saved. You were walking and running as fast as you could away from God. 
You're saved by His grace. He comes after you. He calls you. He convicts you. You're saved by His grace. C.H. Spurgeon said this. He said, I sought the Lord, but how did I come to seek the Lord? The truth flashed across my mind in a moment. I should have not sought Him unless He had some kind of previous influence in my mind somehow to make me seek Him. I prayed Thought I, but then I asked, how can I pray? I was, I was induced to pray by reading the scriptures. But how can I, how, how came I to read the scriptures? I did read them, but what led me to do that? And then in a moment I saw that God was at the bottom of it all and that he was the author of my faith. And I ascribed my salvation wholly to him. He called Samuel. He initiated the call on Samuel's life. He initiated the call on my life. He's initiating the call on your life today that you need a Savior, that you can't save yourself. And the point is, it's God that initiates that call. It's God who quickens the soul. It's God who spoke to Samuel, who speaks to the child. God does it. You have nothing to initiate anything with. He does it all. And fourth and finally, and I'll close with this, we never hide the grace of God in our hearts. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Look, if you will, at verse 18. Then Samuel told him, speaking of Eli, Samuel told him everything, and he hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems to be good. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Here's the point. There's no such thing as the grace of God reaching our hearts and then we hold in it, then we hold it in our hearts. There's no such thing as the grace of God reaching our hearts and we hold it in our hearts, never to speak of it, never to witness of it. That's impossible for a genuine believer to do. If you have Jesus Christ in you, you're going to tell other people about Jesus Christ being in you. If not, you've got some serious spiritual problems you need to deal with. The point is, when the grace of God reaches down to our souls, the child will tell their mother, they'll tell their father, they'll tell their Sunday school teacher, their Bible school teacher, they'll tell a family member, they'll tell the preacher, they'll tell the church. That witness is also of God. They can't keep it in. One of the first things that we want to do when we accept Jesus Christ is what? We want to tell the whole world what a wonderful thing Christ has done for us in our life. We don't want to keep it in. 
The witness is also from God. But notice, Samuel told Eli what God had done to him, and Eli and Samuel published it all the way from Dan to Beersheba. They were telling everybody about Samuel was going to be a prophet for God. I'm going to close with this. Verse 7 says, Samuel did not know the Lord. God was calling him to salvation. Samuel had reached an age of accountability, and God was going to hold him responsible, and he knew it. We don't know how old Samuel was, but we're pretty sure that he wasn't a toddler. He was a little older than that. I don't know how many times God would have called Samuel to salvation. He called him twice there in 1 Samuel chapter 3. He might have called him four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, fifty times maybe. I don't know how many times God would have called Samuel. But I really believe that there is a time to be saved. There's a time to be saved. I found this. It really spoke to my heart. It's from an unknown poet. There's a time to be saved. There is a time, and I know not when, a place, I know not where, which marks the destiny of men to heaven or to despair. How long may men go on in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end, and where begins the confines of despair? One answers from those skies is sent. Ye who from God depart, while it is called today, repent and harden not your heart. The point is there will come a day when one is not able to turn to God. You're able to do that today. As God speaks to your heart, you're able to turn to him today. And I don't know how many times he'll call you. But there will come a time where you're unable to respond to God when he calls you. Some, some 29 verse 1, a Proverbs 29 verse 1 says this. He who is often rebuked and hardened his neck will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. God speaking to you today. Is he sharing with you today about trusting his son Jesus Christ? Is he rebuking you for not accepting him in the past? Perhaps you're a Christian here today and, and you're out of God's will as a teenager, as a young adult, as an adult, senior adult. And God spoke to you about it and spoke to you about it and spoke to you about it. He's asked you to turn and asked you to turn and you harden your heart and you stiffen your neck. I know who's going to win that battle. There'll come a time where you can't turn. person can resist and rebel and reject God until their conscience becomes seared as with a hot iron and they have that desire no more to come to God. When can a child be saved? There's a time when he's too young. Then there comes a time in life when God quickens their soul and the Lord speaks to the child and the Lord calls the child. And then that child never hides the grace of God. 
We're going to give an invitation in a few minutes. And I'm sure there's, there's teenagers here or children who've got perhaps have touched their hearts and quickened their soul. And there's adults here and there's senior adults here. The age is, just runs a gamut. And you need to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You've never done that. You've trusted in something else. Maybe trusting in the church. That's good. Church has its place, but it's not going to save you. Maybe trusting in ordinances. I don't know. That's not going to save you. Jesus came to be our Savior. And he's the only one that can save us. D.L. Moody was preaching a revival meeting. And he was asked, well, how'd the, re how'd the revival service go today? And Moody said, well, we had three and a half saved. We had three and a half saved. They said, well, how did you have three and a half? He said, well, we had three children. Three children that gave their entire life they had left to the Lord. And then we had one adult that gave half of a life to the Lord. Three and a half. Three and a half. Ariel, what, eight years old? Long life to give to the Lord. Someone tears to the point of 60, 70, 80. I've seen people come to Christ at one person was 93 years old. Rhonda Hester's dad, I remember Rhonda's dad came, came to the Lord at, at the hospital, came home, was saved at the hospital, came home, was baptized. I'd visit Hoover Lawrence, and this is what he'd tell me. He'd say, Brother Sammy, I wished I'd not waited so long. And those up in years will tell me that time and time again. Half of a life or less to give to the Lord that saved them. But a child, whole life ahead of them to give to the Lord. So this morning you have an invitation to come to Christ. The main thing is not what's been in the past. The main thing is to finish well. To finish well. The, the past may have not been so good. I wish they'd done this, wish they'd done that, wish they'd been more faithful. Well, you just wish all day long. That's the past. That's what the past is. But what you need to think about is how am I going to finish this race? Finish well. I pray you'll make that decision, do that today. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship you and now to hear your word. I thank you for children who give their lives to the Lord when, when they reach that point where you quicken their soul. The parent knows. And so, Father, I just pray now that you'll speak to hearts today, young. pray you'd speak to teenagers who need to give their heart and life to you. I pray that you'll speak to adults who will be willing to give the rest of their life to you. And I pray that you'll speak to Christians who are uncommitted, 
to the person who loved them and saved them that they'll want to finish well. And that would be their testimony. And when they enter into your presence, they'd be able to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, we pray today, to begin revival in our church here as we recommit ourselves to you as your people. In Jesus' name, we pray.